listening to Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise. I'm Justin Vaughn. I'm here with Jen Schneider. We are two of the co-hosts of The Big Tent. Uh, Corey Cook could not be with us today, uh, but has in his place Dr. Seth Ashley, a professor of journalism and communication at Boise State University. We're going to talk with Seth today about uh, a lot of different things, about public media, about independent media, about structure of the media system. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, as you know, it's Radiothon, our second Radiothon show. I mean, we're putting in our hours. Yeah. Yes, we are putting in our hours. Uh, and, um, uh, and, and, and and turning on our mics. And, it's amazing. Yep. Yep. I <laughs> I turned on the one. I, I don't know what happened. That's just uh, like you, Justin Bond. <sighs> one mic only. Yep. One mic. One mic, Justin. That's <laughs> what they call me. I'm going to turn your mic on now too, Seth, just so we don't have to do this Getting twice. crazy in here. Uh, so it's Radiothon, the second Radiothon show. We're uh, we're doing well in it already. Um, and uh, give us a call. Let us know uh, what you think. Uh, any uh, maybe public media tips you might have for us? Look, can I set this up a little bit? I yep. just want to say that we're a talk show instead of a music show. And so... You know, the bar is like a little bit higher for us to try to get callers in, donations in. So mm-hmm. this is a pretty awesome opportunity sh- to show that you care about, talk about politics and about public affairs. We had two callers last week. I am hoping we can get five this week. I know that's crazy. That's a big That's a big jump. And but we, I feel like yeah, we can do it. We can do it. And I tell you what, we will count it if you call and then call back a second time. Yeah, if you donate $5 the first time mm-hmm. and then call back and donate another five bucks... Counted. That counts twice. Yeah. Do it. Uh, so to do that, call us 208 258 2072. Or uh, you can, we will also count virtual calls. You could log in online, visit our webpage, radioboise.org, and click on the new easy giving button. Uh, or come on down. We will also count personal visits as calls. Yeah, and there's donuts. And there, there's left. donuts. And Girl Scout cookies, like <laughs> thousands of Girl Scout cookies. That was my favorite thing I've heard today when somebody said, hey, where the, who brought these Girl Scout cookies? And someone said, Girl Scouts? <laughs> <laughs> it's like reason, reasonable <laughs> hypothesis. <laughs> so come down, get some Girl Scout cookies. Uh, 1020 West Main Street. We're downstairs in the basement of the Alaska building, suite number 50. Um, and uh, there may even be other snacks by the time that you get here. I mean, not salads like last time, but but maybe some maybe some delicious snacks. The salad that I had last week was way better than the salad I had today. Oh, it's the salad I had today, my wife packs this nice little glass jar of tuna fish and then I drop it (laughs) 
and so my the jar is crushed right and i came back from the gym and i was so hungry i was like forget it i'm just gonna pick this glass out of this tuna fish i had no idea i don't think i've ever seen you so peeved oh and then jen (laughs) you were just mad about the tuna (laughs) no i'm mad about the and i'm choking on glass while i'm eating this tuna moments later jen walks by i swear to god with in her in one hand a platter platter of cookies and then like i don't know yogurt pretzels or something the other hand she's like hey you want some i was like get out of my sight right now (laughs) anyway so so that's what's been going on uh seth ashley welcome to uh the big tent pleasure to be here uh and uh um seth um some of you may know uh uh, might recognize um hearing from seth in different forums around town he's done a lot of a lot of media uh, uh advising on our campus but a lot of stuff recently with the community um form of the idaho media initiative uh and in terms of a bunch of interesting and um well received events regarding media literacy and um We'll talk about that, but but you're an expert on the media, uh, and um, and and maybe we can start a little bit by just kind of breaking down when we talk about media and we talk about public media and we talk about the media system. Like, what, it's kind of easy to get confused in, in what that means. So, I don't know. Give us a short, short tutorial of the American media system. Yeah, what is media? <laughs> in What's thirty words or less. Or less. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's kind of the point is that it's not this monolith that a lot of people kind of make it out to be. When we talk about the media, you know, that's a huge uh, that's a huge umbrella that includes a lot of different things. So, uh, so I think yeah, we have to bring some nuance to that conversation whenever we talk about it. So, like Sarah Palin did when she distinguished the lamestream media Indeed. from the rest of the media. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she read all the newspapers. So, oh, that's true. That's, that's true. You know. But so, what's in your head when when you think see the word media? Like, I'm sure in, as a scholar, as a specialist, there's an entire ecosystem in your brain. Like, what kinds of buckets are in there when you think about American media? It's hard to think about it without a historical perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I know uh, a scholar who likes to talk about how, uh, you know, you, th- you think of Facebook as this revolution. But imagine some kid in Kansas in the 1920s who can suddenly listen to a broadcast live from New York City. I mean... That's uh, that's that's a revolution in, yeah. in communication right there. So, uh, you know, so you have to kind of put it all in, in perspective. And but the way our um, at least the commercial part of our media system, a lot of it was shaped going back to those those early days of radio, um, because that's kind of that was kind of the formative period when uh, a lot of policy decisions were made that would shape, you know, how things look for years to come. And when we talk about net neutrality, you know, the idea that all websites should be treated equally, basically, um, that's that derives you know, straight out of the 1934 Communications Act and the different titles used to uh, decide, you know, what's a common carrier like a telephone versus what's a, an information uh, source like a newspaper where the editors get to pick and choose what goes what goes in it. So that's the basic debate about the Internet is, is it more like a public utility or is it more like, you know, a newspaper where, where uh, the publishers pick and choose? So, but, you know, those those early decisions were you know, uh, heavily favored the established um, radio manufacturers. You know, they had a real stake in it because they wanted to make sure that people would listen to the radios they had to sell and, mm-hmm. and go out and buy them. And so they uh, they wanted to develop nice, clear programs that people interest, were interested in. And the companies that were building the technological infrastructure, like the like radio towers, they had a real stake in it too. So a lot of the licenses, the broadcast licenses, which were given out for free, their monopoly licenses given out for free to to these companies to use the airwaves, the public airwaves, because it's, uh, you know, it's basically a natural resource, just like forests and rivers and 
um, because there's only so many of those uh, those airwaves. They have to be allocated somehow. And so, you know, back then there was a big push for for more nonprofit, non-commercial um, kinds of, of media, and uh, you know, it just didn't didn't work out at the time that, uh, that those all those groups got to say. I mean, that can, that was a big tent too. That was a that included universities and um, you know religious groups and uh, agricultural uh, groups and um, minor political parties. You know, uh, people that didn't normally get you know a chance to say their piece. And so uh, so they were the ones really pushing for for a uh, you know a more diverse media system back then. And you know, so we ended up with like you know a small handful of um, you know giants uh, running everything, and it's kind of. So, kind of been that way ever since. I mean, when I was in grad school, that it felt like it was still that way, right? We were taught about monopolies, and we read Noam Chomsky and McChesney and all those guys. It, is it still that way? Is it? Or do we still have sort of a handful of multinational companies controlling most of the media we consume, or or have things changed? It's funny because when when you start talking about that, especially with my students, you know, they're they're like, well, there's a trillion websites and 500 channels, so how could there be a problem with ownership? Um, but uh, that's deceptive, right? Because even with all of that stuff out there, it's owned by uh, a relatively small handful of, uh, of uh, owners. And you know, most of the stuff that people see is, is that stuff. So like that, you know, most 75% of all web traffic goes to the top 10 websites. And the real striking stat for me <laughs> is how uh, almost all growth in online revenue is going to Facebook and Google. I mean, they have literally just, just sucked up the internet. It makes it really hard for anyone else to be profitable online. So. so different players, but still still monopolies. Yeah, yeah exactly. Interesting. And gatekeepers. Well, uh, we uh, yes. had a great transition there. <laughs> it's going to be something about Facebook I feel like if money. you had had a few yogurt pretzels earlier, your I blood know. sugar would be a little My higher. My blood sugar is not doing well. <laughs> so come on down, bring us some money and maybe some, <laughs> some uh, Snickers <laughs> or something. <laughs> uh, Diets be damned. I was going to have a good thing about... Uh, your point you just made about Facebook and Google sucking up the uh, e-commerce and pivot very pithily into something about how 60% of Radio Boise's budget is made up from supporter donations. You can all kind of draw your own conclusions about what that transition would have sounded yeah, like. we're Makes not sense. a monopoly. No, we're not a monopoly. Um, we're not at all. Uh, but yeah, 60% of our, of our budget comes from donations from people like you. Oh, less than a third comes from, uh, and closer to a quarter comes from underwriting, you know, the kinds of, of messages you hear when we take breaks um, from local businesses that are supporting the work we're doing. And we'll have events like uh, Practice New Year's uh, that brings in some, some, some resources too. But boy, what really makes the, uh, the, the, the wheels turn here at Radio Boise are the um, generous uh, support uh, from our listeners like you. So if you're so inclined, give us a call uh, and uh, uh, tell you can, if nothing else, tell us what your favorite program is or um, what you uh, want to hear more of as Radio Boise continues to evolve into the future. You can call us at 208-258-2072 or visit us online at radioboise.org. And if you have a question about the media, we could pass that along to mm-hmm. Seth and talk more about that. That would be great. It's been an exciting past couple of days here at Radio Boise. Mm-hmm. Like Radiothon's really picked up. We've had a lot of listeners call in and uh, show their support for the station. Pretty excited about being able to use some of those funds to repair our damaged antenna and to keep the lights on around here. This is largely a volunteer-run operation. Uh, but, of course, you can only do so much, right? You have mm-hmm. to have basic operating funds. And so it's an awesome opportunity for you to be a part 
of what we're trying to do here at Radio Boise. Yeah. So, uh, Seth, let's 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 talk a little bit more. We, you know, this this media system today, you know, still dominated by a lot of kind of titanic forces, um, some old, some long-standing ones, some new ones. and yet one one thing I think that maybe is a continuity is that people have to have the ability to successfully engage in the information that the um, that that these media media entities put out. Right. And so a lot of people have talked lately, including you, about this idea of of information literacy, media literacy, news literacy. I use those words interchangeably. I know that's not I shouldn't um, and I won't ever again. Uh <laughs> But um, maybe you could talk a little bit about about why that's important, how it works, you know, challenges, opportunities. For just to go back to our earlier uh, conversation, I would just add that, um, you know, it's the, the reason it's important to think about ownership uh, is because, you know, if, if there were only five owners, if they were doing a great job of um, providing, you know, really di- good, diverse content and really providing the information that citizens need to be, uh, you know, to self-govern in democratic society. I mean, it wouldn't be so bad if they were doing a, you know, a fantastic job. But I mean, the, the evidence suggests that a lot of voices and perspectives get left out. And, um, you know, so that's why we do seek alternative uh, media like uh, like Radio Boise. But um, that's kind of where media literacy picks up. I mean, it's getting people to think a little more critically about about their media diet and what it looks like. And I don't really care what you call it, you know, as long as people are, are thinking uh, a little more critically. It's just for something that is so important to our society and to us as individuals, we just, we're not asked to think a whole lot about where we get our information from and how we're consuming it and everything. So, um, so yeah, I think, that, you know, media literacy is really about, you know, where are these messages coming from? Who's constructing them and creating them? And, you know, what, what are, are their ultimate uh, purposes for creating them? So if people would just ask a few basic questions about where their information is coming from and why it looks the way that it does, that would be a great start. And, you know, call it what you want. There are in the, you know, in the camps of people that are interested stakeholders, you know, there are a lot of different ways it breaks down. But, um, but yeah, it's just the, the basic idea that, that we need to ask critical questions about our, our, uh, media, our media diet, where we get stuff from. Can you give some examples of the kinds of questions people should be asking? Well, that's, you know, just, just getting started with uh, who created this message and, uh, you know, what's their reason for creating it and understanding that most messages have something to do with profit or power. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a good starting point. So, so <clears throat> can I put you on the spot a little bit and ask you about that? Right. Okay, so if, if I'm uh, waking up in the morning and I'm having my morning coffee and I grab my cell phone, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, and there's a, a good example from this week. There was a news story circulating around Facebook around semi-trucks that pulled up under an overpass on a freeway to try to help prevent uh, somebody who was going to commit suicide by jumping off that overpass. A friend of mine posted this story and said, man, before I posted this, I went on to Snopes to see if it was actually real because it's sort of it didn't come from a source that yeah Yeah. and didn't come from a source that she recognized as credible so when somebody looks at a story like that what sort of practical things can they do to um inform themselves about whether or not that is a good story yeah that's that's a great question just some basic news literacy involves uh just kind of slowing down just you know uh especially if you feel a feeling about what you just saw that's a good sign that like eh, it might not be uh totally accurate like so, if you feel rage or rage, fear. anger especially yeah. you know anger is okay. very powerful uh yeah any kind of uh, f- or like you know uh a sense of uh self-righteousness because oh we got him this time or you know whatever it is uh just you know it's good to just kind of slow down and 
see how things play out and uh, see if other sources pick up the story and you know and Snopes is great going online seeing if other people are, are reporting it and how they're covering it how it's being framed by others and um, yeah and just kind of uh, seeing how things unfold over time you know breaking news is always kind of tenuous at best and so so yeah when something's new it's good to just kind of take a breath take a breath and see see how it plays out yeah mm-hmm but varying your sources is, is great. Um, some are certainly better than others, you know, so it's good to look at sources and say, uh, okay, have they actually done the reporting that's necessary to make a conclusion about this? Um, and, you know, especially if they're just kind of riffing off of someone else's reporting, which is mostly what cable news does. I mean, they don't really do any original investigations of their own. They mostly just provide analysis, which is fine if, if uh, that's what you want. But it's good to go to the source, you know, find the people that are actually doing the real reporting, um, support them for one thing, because it's hard and it's expensive to do that original reporting. And, uh, you know, make sure that um, that you're, you're uh, looking for, you know, have they done the, the gone through the process of verification? And do they have evidence that supports claims? And does it check out based on, you know, what others are saying? And, it, it makes a lot more work for us today as media consumers, um, but uh, but that's kind of where we are. Well, that's the problem, right? I mean, it sounds like common sense, like you're looking for something that makes sense and that uses evidence and that's credible. But we are inundated with so much information. I think it's tempting to use shorthands like, oh, somebody I trust posted this or this comes from the New York, the New York Times, so I automatically believe it. Um, so that, that's the tricky part, isn't it? Is it requires extra time and energy to be media literate. Yeah, it's a challenge. And you do, you know, you develop trusted sources based on patterns over time, which is fine. Uh, and just to say, you know, that's not to say that those sources won't make mistakes. Um, you know, uh, even the New York Times apologized, uh, or at least uh, backpedaled a little bit on some of its coverage of the Iraq war. That's kind of a famous example mm. of admitting like, yeah, we didn't actually ask all the questions that needed to be asked at the time. Uh, they did a lot of good reporting too, but there were definitely some some shortcomings there. So, uh, but that doesn't mean you just throw it out. I mean, that's not fake news. You know, that's just uh, that's just uh, you know some bad reporting. And they held themselves accountable for that, and they were transparent about it. They fired a reporter, and you know, and, and you go on. And so, uh, you know, so it's it's do they get it right most of the time? And um, can you rely on that? What's the difference between fake news and bad reporting? It's a great question. I mean, it, it depends uh, who's using the term, of course, because some people have, have co-opted fake news to just mean anything that they don't they don't necessarily like or agree with. But, you know, I think the conventional sense is that it's, uh, you know, it's stuff that's intentionally false, that's uh, created either for, you know, for profit or for political purposes, either to um, persuade or to completely just sow confusion. I mean, that's that's what uh, the, the Russian campaign has, has attempted to do. And I mean, we're pretty good at that on our own. We don't necessarily need Russians for that. But uh, but, you know, that's the uh, that's the big difference is, uh, you know, it's it's one thing to make mistakes. You have to, if, if you if, as long as you fess up and hold yourself accountable and, and be transparent about that, as opposed to just like intentionally misleading, uh, you know, for your own purposes. Do we see fake news on both the left and the right, do you think? I think depending on sort of where you sit in the political spectrum, you could say, oh, Infowars, that's just the conservatives making stuff up. Are there examples of it happening? Yeah, there's some. You know, it's interesting the way fake the term fake news is used, uh, you know, especially by the president. He, He uses it. It's kind of like it's not new, really. It's the same kind of traditional critique of uh, the the mainstream media, the, the liberal bias in the mainstream media that's been around since the 80s. I mean, Rush Limbaugh was kind of, he did such a good job of, um, you know, once the, the fairness doctrine was pushed aside, it became really easy for, 
you know, to, to, um, to dominate airwaves with a really, um, a, a really overwhelming perspective, you know, one-sided view of things. And so, uh, so that, that, um, narrative has really, um, has really perpetuated itself. And so that's kind of where the, when, when, uh, when the president uses fake news, that's kind of just what he's talking about is this, this bias that, uh, that, you know, all, all media are, uh, filled with these, uh, pinko commies that, um, you know, just want to, uh, you know, spread their, spread their own bias, which isn't really true. I mean, most journalists are not, not highly ideological at all. I mean, they really are just mo- mostly focused on like really mundane details and getting the facts right. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's kind of, that helps, that's another way to kind of tell, tell the good from the bad there. Um, well, so you probably get this a lot. Um, <clears throat> if someone says, what should I read? You know, if I want a down the middle, objective, but high quality source of information, you know, what, what outlets would you uh, would you recommend? I kind of hate that question because I don't like to wag my finger and tell people this is what you must consume. Sure, you know, Because sure. st- students ask that all the time. And, you know, I see after the, especially after the last election, some of those charts went around that say, here's the left media, here's the right media, here's the central media. So, I mean, all that, all that stuff's kind of arbitrary anyway. I mean, left, right in this country is different from left, right in Europe or elsewhere. So, so there's that. Um, but, you know, I want people to bring their own kind of critical faculties to the, the media they're consuming rather than me telling them what to consume. That said, um, you know, the, the evidence suggests that the best reporting still comes from print media, traditional print media outlets, even if you consume it online. But, you know, they have the, they have the resources to do the, uh, to do the gathering of information that, that, um, that we need. And uh, public media is another uh, highly ranked source when it comes to just accuracy and, you know, whether it's consumers know what's going on or not. So, uh, you know, so, uh, I mean, that's just what that's just what evidence suggests. And, uh, you know, cable cable news is not a particularly good source if you want to be well informed. Um, A variety is good, you know, Um, and there's lots of great digital startups, you know, like. you know, Vice and Vox and, uh, you know, even BuzzFeed does lots of really good investigative work. And so, uh, and then there's all sorts of great nonprofits um, like ProPublica and Center for Investigative Reporting. And, um, you know, those are all really good outlets that a lot of people maybe haven't heard of. Um, so you do kind of have to have to work a little bit to uncover all that stuff. I mean, everybody knows about MSNBC and Fox and those are kind of the, uh, you know, those are always held up as this, this, uh, you know, if as long as you consume a little bit of both of those, then you'll you'll know everything you need to know. But more likely, you won't know much at all. So uh, <laughs> go uh, go find some uh, some good original reporting and uh, see uh, see what that looks like. It's good information, good sources. The one entity you left out is the Big Tent. I mean, talk about <laughs> <Obviously>. analysis! <laughs> Holy cow! Insightful analysis. Super uh, insightful. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's here on public media. Uh, you, uh, as as I've mentioned, uh, a uh, maybe uh, us wi- us notwithstanding, uh, a good <laughs> source of information, uh, and uh, we're able to continue coming here so long as Radio Boise is able to pay the power bill and they don't kick us off the airwaves. Um, so uh, help us make that happen, Addy. Is, is helping us. Thank Addie you, did. Addie. Yes, ah. Addie did. Addie and Boise, thank you so much. Thank you, Addie. Uh, your support for Radio Boise goes a long way in helping us continue to um, not only bring this kind of uh, uh, programming to you, but bring it 
to you in a way that you can hear clearly and well in the, in the community. We've, Jen mentioned moments ago, uh, we have uh, had some issues with our, our signal because of some damage to our tower, our antenna. Um, there was a power surge last month that's kind of wreaked a little bit of havoc with, um, with that. And uh, thanks to some very um, hardworking and industrious uh, staff members and, and, and volunteers, they've been out there in the Hawaii range uh fixing that frequently but it's going to take some 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 significant level of resources to um uh get it fixed in a permanent way and so um we uh we need your support uh to get the new transmission parts ordered and and installed uh, and that that could be extremely expensive and radio boise listeners have really been showing up this week so this is a chance for you to be part of that and to uh help us out um any donation counts. We're looking more for number of donors, not so much the amount. So $5, $10, whatever you can give. Of course, if you do give in larger amounts or if you give monthly, there's some exciting swag. There is that you some can very get. there is some very good stuff. There's t-shirts, there's um, sweatshirts. I donated $25 a month for the first time cuz as you know, I'm a new Radio Boise mm-hmm. listener mm-hmm. and I'm pretty excited cuz I'm going to get a long sleeve t-shirt hoodie. Oh, very so nice. Boise on it. Those are nice hoodies. I've Super seen nice them. Hoodies. They're they're nice quality. They're attractively uh, designed. Um, you can check out uh, all these various different things um, uh, that are available to our our sponsors uh, on our website, radioboise.org. And once you find that thing that you just got to have, you can give your donation right off the bat. Just click on the the the. Uh, the giving button on the website or you can give us a call and one of our volunteers will talk you through the options at 208-258-2072 or come on down and you can look through a full color handout that has uh, all the while you eat Girl Scout cookies for free you know and and I'll go so far as to say one of us may feed you one of those Girl Scout cookies, <laughs> depending on the level of, of, of support, right? <laughs> All right, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do this. Uh, so lots in store for you, uh, but you got to do it by five o'clock tonight, uh, and uh, um, we will uh, we'd be delighted to um, to have you as a, a first time supporter, a continuing supporter, uh, or whatever the, the situation may be. We'd love to have you help us get to that five callers. So we've had one. A sponsor, and we'd love to get yep. up to five. So Addie's, four more folks show up. Addie broke broke through, and the rest of you can follow Addie's lead and um, and uh, and and help us get to our goal. We're gonna uh, take a, a real quick break. We'll be back more with more from uh, Seth Ashley and and uh, um, continue this conversation about public media and media literacy and and much more. So stay with us. My love for Radio Boise started out as a friendship, but then. It caught on fire. Now, I want it to be my Valentine. We are back. I'm Justin Vaughn. I'm here with Jen Schneider. Uh, Corey uh, couldn't join us today, but he told us, don't forget to ask Seth about his recent research into media literacy. And uh, so we're going to do that. But first, I want to say we are now two down, three to go. Special (laughs) thanks to Jacqueline uh, for calling up and uh, or actually going online jackie took advantage of our modern technology why wouldn't you it's so easy radioboise.org radioboise.org go online and so jack jack jackie thanks very much for your support and uh we appreciate it uh, a great deal seth tell us about this work that Corey said we just got to ask you about yeah um 
Yeah, so I've been I've been looking at this stuff for like 20 years since I started it in grad school, and um, it's just, I'm thrilled that um, everybody all of a sudden also wants to talk about it. Uh, that's kind of the silver lining of this kind of messy environment we're in right now is that, um, you know, at least we're, it's getting a little more attention. Maybe some people are thinking a little more about where information comes from and how important journalism is and what a what a role it plays in uh in democracy so but um but yeah we we think uh, my my colleagues that i've done some research with we think uh you know it's really important to understand media literacy and help kind of establish what it is and what what it uh what people need to know and one one approach we've taken is that um you know it's not so much about just uh fact checking and kind of spotting hoaxes but it's also about knowledge of the media system and how it's structured and you know things like whether journalists have licenses and whether um, you know most outlets are commercial for-profit entities and uh, knowing a little bit about content and effects of media knowing that you know um, uh, things like uh, you know a liberal and a conservative can see the exact same news report and say oh that's completely biased against my point of view uh, that's well documented hostile media effects and so uh, you know understanding uh, our own preconceptions that we bring to our, our media use as well and so we wanted to see how much people knew about some of that kind of concrete factual stuff and uh, then compare that to other variables so and it's great like what you know it's it's uh, what we would hope to find is what we found that um, people who score higher on those measures are also the ones who are kind of more politically engaged they know more about current events they're more interested in the news and following the news and uh, you know and they uh, they um, they're more likely to vote and volunteer and stuff like that and they uh, um, they also uh, have a higher sense of political self-efficacy, meaning you know they think their voice matters and they can actually like have a say in the in the system. And and most recently we did one uh, comparing media literacy to uh, conspiracy theory endorsement. So uh, mm. so which kind of works as a proxy for for fake news. It's like okay, if you're higher on these literacy measures, uh, does that help um, with your your uh, ability to? You know, sort out what's what's real and what's not, and and it's it's the results are promising. It's uh, you know, it's that if you're higher on our literacy scores, yes, you're you're lower on endorsement of these conspiracy theories. And and the good news there is that you know people are there's this thing called motivated reasoning where you know you can people are motivated to uh, seek out things that um, that they agree with that already kind of fits with the way they see the world and. Um, that's the that's the directional kind of motivated reasoning where it's like this I want to I want to learn this so this is what I'm going to learn as opposed to accuracy goals accurate accuracy reasoning which is um, you know I, I want to know the truth I want to get to the bottom of this regardless of kind of where it takes me um, and so you know we think it's much easier to teach people about the media system than it is to get them to you know examine their own politics and ideology and challenge their worldview you know so so we find that really promising it's like if we could teach people more about the media system and some basic facts about how it all works that's that's definitely more doable than saying like hey um, rethink your entire worldview so it's sort of a way to ease them into critical thinking without sort of challenging anybody's you know sort of um where they're digging their heels in politically exactly oh, and it's really not a liberal conservative issue i mean it's it's uh you know everyone's on board once you start telling them about how the media system works everyone's kind of like oh i see a little more about how that might matter to my my media consumption. So that raises an interesting question for me. I mean, I think something that scholars are interested in and uh, pundits and all sorts of folks in the media is, uh, are things notably different now, specifically under the Trump administration in terms of media, or 
like you were saying at the beginning, is this sort of just a continuation of things that were already in play, a phenomena that was already happening? Yeah, this this administration has definitely flipped some things on uh, on its head. So, uh, but the need the need has not changed. I mean, we still we still need uh, you know people that are asking the tough questions and and working hard to get answers and know how to get those answers. So uh, that's where we're really in trouble when the you know the number of working journalists has been slashed uh, by more than half over the past decade. And so uh, you know that's that's a bad thing for our society in terms of having those people, you know, imperfect and flawed as they are, but at least they're out there trying to get good information on the public's behalf. And so, so yeah, there's been this decline in journalism. Meanwhile, there's this rise in fake news. There's this kind of assault on the press coming from the White House. And so, and, and, you know, they're just kind of, uh, uh, circumventing the press in as many ways as they can think of. So, so yeah, there's a lot, a lot in flux right now. And, uh, it really depends on, uh, us as Americans and media consumers and producers to, to really um, try to take control of this environment. Speaking of this environment, Justin. Speaking of this environment, um, we got a we got a pinch hitter uh, in here to help 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 us communicate just how important the or the role that Radio Boise plays in the community are. Kathy, you're a longtime uh, Radio Boise uh, friend and volunteer. Uh, why does this place matter? Well, this is an incredible place, and I think the conversation you three are having right now is a great example of the kind of conversation that Radio Boise brings to the community. I don't, I know we can't hear this anywhere else, certainly not in southwest Idaho and maybe not in this whole state of Idaho. So I think it's important if people are out there listening and learning something, learning about, you know, media literacy versus, uh, you know, endorsing conspiracy theories. I mean, that's an incredibly valuable insight, and the other things you talked about earlier you know, I think, and I personally have done this, call in now with a, su- a pledge of your support. Because if people don't call in and support, it's going to be hard to keep this kind of programming on the air. So That's call right. in now. What's call. that phone number there? It's 208-258-2072. There's also options online. Mm-hmm. Go to radioboise.org and uh, and make a donation uh, virtually or come on down. Have some Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> We've already had Donuts. the same number of callers as we had last week, and we yeah. still have, what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes left. <laughs> I feel like we can at least get three more oh, totally. of you to commit to supporting community radio. There are people out there waiting for the phone to ring. They yes. will take your call in a very prompt and polite way. Uh, <laughs> and uh, They might and even crack a joke or two if they really want to be entertained. <laughs> they might Absolutely. ask them to if they don't, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and they will. It's included. It's, yeah, it is. It's for free. Uh, you can, you know, you can get a hoodie, a T-shirt, a koozie, any number of things, a joke, and a <laughs> warm, fuzzy feeling because you did a good thing in supporting your own locally programmed independent radio station. And you can make a one-time donation, That's or right. you can do a recurring donation and support the, the station throughout mm-hmm. the year. Mm-hmm. You read my mind, because I'm, I'm what's called a sustaining donor. I actually have a little bit taken out of once a month out of my paycheck, and I don't even feel it, and it's yep. pre-tax. And that way I know I can feel very relaxed and say, okay, I'm doing my part to support you know, Radio Boise. It's really time to do it now. Or if that's not doable, any gift of any amount, really, I think is a signal. So here's what we like to say. Now, I, I've, I've worked for the other public radio station, and I've worked for the public TV station. I've been a volunteer here. We like to say that when you call in with your pledge of support, you're really voting for your choice of programming. You're saying, 
I think this is great stuff. I want to hear more of it. And then sometimes we pull out the strings and say, and if you're related to either of the guest speakers, if you're a mother, a father, a spouse, a you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, child, maybe of the host of this great radio show, you need to call in because you need to say, I really appreciate what you're doing. But really, any amount, I think, is what we like to say is whatever fits in your budget. Absolutely. Give us a call now, 208-258-2072. Or, I mean, just as easy to go on RadioBoise.org. I did it from my cell phone the other day. There you took go. took two minutes. So easy. Mm-hmm. Or come on down here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but I had not been to this place before I started hosting. It is so cool to come and see how this place is set up. We have some free food. You can partake. You can see how the magic is made. That's right. That's right. It's like going behind the scenes of Disneyland, but but we give you free cookies. I mean, that's that's a good way to put it. Pretty good deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And I understand tomorrow there's going to be a lemonade stand out front. So really, if you're downtown, oh. you know, walking around at your lunch hour, come by and get a cup of lemonade. Yeah. But, and, and call in now or call in tomorrow or do both. Yeah, call in now and confirm that that lemonade stand is indeed <laughs> going to happen, that it's not fake news. I love uh, the skepticism in here. <laughs> and ask for, you know, two sources to that's prove right. it. Right? That's right. That's right. That's uh, right. So, so Seth, you know, you've been doing a lot of speaking about about this topic uh, out in the community. You've been working with librarians. You've been working with other other media and entities. Um, you know, what are what are kind of uh, you know some of the take home messages you think um, that uh, that people who who care about being well informed and want to do better and want to help other people do better? What are some of those messages that you try to leave them with? Yeah, that's one of the nice things is all the stakeholders that have kind of come out uh, of the woodwork and united, um, you know, to to do this stuff. And uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like there's a lot of kind of doom and gloom you can focus on. But um, but, you know, ultimately, you know, we have we have a lot of agency over our media consumption. We really can be empowered uh, to to really um, be active consumers instead of just kind of passively letting stuff come at us and. you know, that's, uh, I think that's where we want to, we want to get people. So, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone of kind of the mindless Facebook scroll, endless, endless, infinite scroll thing, um, which is fine, you know, from time to time, as long as you're balancing that with, uh, you know, the, the information, uh, vegetables that you need to, <laughs> to know what's going on in the world. So, um, cause it really is, you know, we're kind of lucky to live how we live. And I think that gives us all a responsibility to, uh, make sure that we are staying informed and, you know, helping make good policy decisions because it really is government by the people. So, and voting. I mean, that's the other, uh, the other thing that, you know, we need more people to do. So. Can you talk a little bit more? You said that um, you felt like media literacy and voting behaviors were correlated. Some of your work has shown that. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, we just have a little bit on that, but um, yeah, just, uh, just showing, you know, finding out that people who score higher on our, on our literacy measures are also, you know, more likely to be be politically active so that's that's you know that's makes sense hell i mean yeah. it's kind of like yeah smart people are smart and more engaged and so you know the developing the teasing out the the causation there is is tricky but um you know there's definitely a relationship so that's that's a good thing that's what we would hope to see 
Do you have thoughts about uh, when and and how this kind of education should start? Are you thinking that this should be like at the elementary level we're starting to teach media literacy? Or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't focus as much at that age because uh, it's just not my my wheelhouse. But there are people that that do that, and at that age, for sure, they need to be doing really simple stuff about analyzing content, asking basic questions about, you know, how do you know if something's true. Um, but yeah, as they get older, you know, especially once they develop that foundation early on, then it's easier as they get older to start, you know, asking the tougher questions about, you know, so how does Facebook work and how does Google make so much money and why are those websites market value, uh, half a trillion dollars, you know, um, like those are, those are questions that we need to move people towards, uh, and we need to do it by the time they graduate high school because a lot, you know, most people don't go on past high school. And so they need to, they need to be graduating with that kind of knowledge. So what, what kinds of things do you have your, your students do at the college level? Like what, what kinds of activities or assignments? Yeah, are we do doing? all kinds of fun stuff. One of the best, I, I love um, advising the Arbiter. That's our student student news outlet um, in print and online, uh, arbiteronline.com. And they do a really great job. They kind of run the show. I work for them over there. But having students come in there and actually make the news is totally eye-opening for them. Like seeing how the sausage is made from the inside. Um even if they decide, you know, journalism is just not for me, it's not, you know, not my cup of tea, that's fine. But I know they all come away with a better understanding for how hard it is to do and, and a respect for the people who do it and try to do it well. So um, so that's that's a really great way to, uh, to learn more about media and to appreciate it. Um, but, uh, you know, we do, we do, one of my favorite activities is uh, we talk about, you know, what is the First Amendment really all about? And, um, and uh, you know, most people don't understand it very well. They they uh, they just think about this free speech idea kind of in the abstract. But um, the First Amendment only applies if there's a government action involved. And so, you know, trying to get people to wrap their heads around what that means. I mean, that's why Facebook and Twitter can they can take any post down that they don't like. And there's no free speech on Facebook. I mean, there is kind of in this like because they're private companies. Yeah, because they're private companies and they can uh, they can do what they want. That's why you know they also they have these algorithms that pick and choose what we see, and that's it's all proprietary meaning. I mean, we don't have any access to knowing how they do it unless unless it leaks or something like that. So um, anyway, so so, you know, we do an exercise. One of the one of the arguments with net neutrality, Verizon tried to argue that the First Amendment applies to them in their right, you know, that it is part of their right to pick and choose what goes over their, uh, you know, their their server lines. And, um, you know, we so we have a nice debate about, you know, is that really what the First Amendment's all about? Does it protect Verizon's right? to pick and choose is that free speech for them and you know they've they've certainly argued that it is and that that's 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 the reason that net neutrality is unconstitutional is because of the first amendment um i don't agree with that i certainly think that um that's not the first amendment was designed to protect citizens um so that they can uh speak out against uh against abuses of power um but it certainly didn't didn't have anything to do with uh, what we're seeing seeing now so yeah so so just you know getting people to kind of engage with those uh those questions and see see the competing arguments, you know, and maybe having a little cognitive dissonance and being like, oh yeah, okay, I, I can kind of hold that in my head at the same time, even though, you know, I kind of lean this other way. But um, you know, just getting a, a sense of uh, different different takes on on these issues. So we've seen a lot of change, and we're continuing to see change in the media ecosystem. Um, what are some of the, I think, challenges you, that you see kind of in the near future that that the we're going to confront maybe as consumers of media or, or um, media entities themselves are going to have to confront, you know, where the contestation of 
media and public life is going to be waged. Yeah, I'm afraid it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, did you see the Jordan Peele thing where he had uh, this, he faked this video of Obama saying all kinds of crazy stuff that he never said? No. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's a great media literacy tool because uh, they call them deep fakes, these videos where, you know, you can, you can make uh, anyone say anything and it looks real. And, you know, that, you know. Like we, digitally. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you think that 2016 election fake news was bad. I mean, wait till you see what's coming next. I think mm. it's just going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And so, you know, we're really going to need really savvy citizens to be able to tease these things apart and really ask tough questions about what they're seeing. Because um, it's just really easy to see something that's like, you know, oh, yeah, that just that that nails them. That's just exactly what I already thought. And so I'm going to run with it. And then it gets shared and the false stuff spreads way easier than the true stuff. And um, so, you know, yeah, it's going to it's going to be really incumbent upon all of us to sort that out and to help each other. You know, I mean, I think I, I'm always encouraged when I see people commenting on someone's posts and saying like, hey, did you are you sure that's true? Or did you check that out? Or here's a link to Snopes or, you know, something like that. So even my mom and dad are doing it now on, on the Internet, which I think is awesome because uh, it shows, you know, it, they can learn new tricks, too. So that's great. I mean, that uh, fact that you said about um, sort of negative things or fake things spreading faster than real things. I think it circles back to that piece of wisdom you first shared with us, which is if something really makes you angry, makes you feel self-righteous, confirms what you already believed, take a moment and make sure it's real. Absolutely. Yeah. And and also back to that first point about the historical nature of all of this, that also is not new. I mean, the technology makes it easier than ever. But uh, there's a great quote from Mark Twain. He's talking about the printing press you know, uh, printing press invented in the 1400s, Mark Twain in the late 1800s, talking about how uh, the, the, the um, truth was supplied with a pair of wings, but lies were supplied with a double pair of wings. And, you know, they, it gets around the world, you know, way faster than the truth does, all that kind of stuff. So not a, not a, new, uh, not a new problem at all, but certainly the technology makes it a lot worse. So we have to, have to be, wa- be aware, be, be watching out at all times. Well, and I know if Corey was here, he would say one way to uh, counter fake speech or difficult speech or hard speech is to have more speech. And that is what we are trying to do here at Radio Boise is provide platform for community radio, a place for you to hear what we hope is good quality information and analysis. Does that sound right to you, Justin? Yep, I agree. And I think we have a fairly modest goal this last 10 minutes if we could get two more callers to call in with a little bit of support i mean carry us over the finish line right fantastic right it takes a lot closer i know we're looking for a thousand sponsors you know donors and members uh this this pledge drive we have one more day left so <laughs> you know two more calls with just a little bit of support would help push us over the edge for this particular hour and help us move into the next hour with new fresh ideas and other things coming up yeah, so you talk about citizens, you talk about, you know, speech and truth, and I think it's all happening right here. So call us now if you want to come in and make that pledge, 208-258-2072, or you can go online to the secure website, radioboise.org. Oh, I think we might have just gotten a call, so uh, one more. Or I'll say two more. Two more. We still have 10 minutes. Two more. I mean, like, yeah, two more. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We can do five. Ashley throws down. You you can be like Patrick. You thank you very much. You can be like Patrick, um, who uh, it just made a very generous uh, uh, gift and to Radio Boise. And um, uh, Patrick uh, is a big fan of the Wreck. 
Uh, he also right likes. On. There, ant- that's amazing. That show. It's yeah, it is. He likes an- antler crafts. He likes Sunday Soul Party. Yeah, Patrick's a a, uh, uh, a dedicated listener and now supporter of uh, of Radio Boise. Thank you very much, Patrick. You can be like Patrick. Call us up 208-258-2072 or visit us online radioboise.org. You've got a few minutes to uh, to do it. Nine minutes left in the show, and just to give you uh, a little incentive, we're going to take a quick break. Give you enough time to log on or dial your phone or whatever you want to do, and um, uh, we'll be back with a few parting thoughts uh, in just a moment. What's up, Boise? This is Phil A. from Las Vegas, and I support community radio because without that, we got nothing. Please consider a pledge to Radio Boise, your only outpost for local, independent programming in the Treasure Valley. Peace. Hi, this is Laura from the Minor Birds, and you're listening to Radio Boise, community radio for Boise and beyond. Be sure to support community radio because you need it, and it needs you. And we are back. I am Justin. I'm here with Jen Schneider, my co-host on The Big Tent. Corey's unable to be here today. Uh, but we have had Kathy in, a uh, volunteer extraordinaire, um, t- helping us talk about all the great ways, uh, all the great reasons for you to support um, Radio Boise. And uh, we've, we've convinced Seth over the last 50 minutes, and uh, he's going to help too. Oh, you didn't have to convince me. I already, I already knew how I felt. So, uh, but I'm happy to be here uh, supporting, supporting the cause. Um, because I, you know, I think it's real easy to uh, take all this for granted. You know, the fact that we have community media, community radio, is easy to just kind of uh, be like, oh yeah, it's there, and uh, you know, it'll just always be there. But uh, but no, it's only there because because uh, the community supports it. So um, so you know, I think you know, even if uh, you know if you don't listen to it that much, or you know, if you only like some of it, I think uh, you know, it's still just a it's a good thing to make sure that um, you know we're all kind of kicking in for so that so that we have it. Because, uh, like we've been talking about, the media environment is certainly dominated by a small, relatively small handful of voices. So, uh, keeping channels like this open really, really makes it possible for uh, you know to add some diversity to the environment. Yeah, I think we just want to thank everybody who made the time to call in today or went online, radioboise.org, uh, called into two zero eight two five eight two zero seven two, or came on down and helped support the Big Tent and Radio Boise. Um, it's exciting to be a part of something uh, where you feel like your voice is being heard and you can make a contribution that's really going to matter. And this yeah. is an intelli- intelligent conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot in the short time I've been in this studio. So I want to thank you guys. And I think if we had one more call of support, we'd actually break our record from last week, as Jen said. So mm-hmm. one more person. And, you know, just like Patrick, who gave um, just just a few minutes ago, he likes a lot of the other programming. He loves the music. He loves the talk. And really, you don't have to be dedicated just to this show right now, which is a fabulous show. But do call in with your support. Help get us over the hump and call us at 208-258-2072 or go online. That's right. Be like Patrick and Jacqueline <laughs> and Addie. And uh, give <laughs> us a call team. or go online or come on down and have some Girl Scout cookies uh, and uh, and help, you know, uh, support this uh, important um, uh, opportunity for regular citizens like you to, to uh, have their voices heard, contribute, uh, not just political analysis or opinions, but um, putting out the best music that they have discovered um, uh, to uh, direct to, to your ears. Um, so, uh, Seth... Thanks very much yeah, for joining pleasure. us. We great, learned... great conversation. Always happy to to uh, share my thoughts on one of my favorite topics. Absolutely, yeah. It was it was it was 
uh, very educational. I appreciated it. Uh, Jen, of course, always a pleasure to be on with you. Kathy, right back at you. thanks for coming and all My you do pleasure. for Radio Boise and all, and all you did for us this afternoon. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. It'll be a regular non-Radiothon show. Uh, you can still call us next week. I mean, you uh, could still donate you could. if you wanted to. <laughs> we won't, Anytime. We won't yeah. stop it. There just might not be Girl Scout cookies. Well, I won't feed them to you, that's no, for sure. That's definitely not going to happen. So thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned for DJ Wendy Fox. We'll be back next week.